0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? All right, we're gonna continue today in our series called Certain, about uh, the last days and the prophecies of the last days. Great to see Jake Lozano here. We've been praying for you, young man. Glad you're here, (laughs) amen. Um, I'm going to tell you up front, we are going to cover well over a thousand years during the time of the message today, so we are going to be rolling and rocking and rolling, moving and grooving and shaking and baking. Are you all ready? All right, we're going to start with John 16, verse 33, and today we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you a synopsis um, of the, kind of the timeline of the last days and what's going to happen, what it talks about in Revelation and other places in Scripture. I want to tell you a couple of things up front about prophecy. One of the things about prophecy is to really understand it. The best way is to interpret and use Scripture with Scripture. So I'm going to try to use, um, where I can, multiple Scriptures about the same event. And one of the reasons for that is because um, sometimes... Um, those are mixed. In the, in the Old Testament prophecies and even in some of the things Jesus talked about, and Paul in particular, is that they talked about different events that weren't necessarily given in chronological order. And in the Old Testament, there were times where they would talk about um, Jesus' coming and, and some of the, uh, his first coming when he came to die on the cross would even be mixed in with the second coming because they would get glimpses of, of what was to come. And so the best way to interpret it is by using Scripture with Scripture. Now, understand that in Revelation, there's a lot of apocryphal language. In other words, there's symbolic things where it talks about people having ten heads and stuff like that, and ten crowns on their ten heads. That doesn't mean somebody's literally going to be walking around with ten heads, pretty sure, don't know that for 100%, but I'm pretty sure that that's uh, apocryphal language and symbolic. And um, we're not going to get into the symbolism of all the very specifics. I really just kind of want you to see um, an overview about how things are going to happen. And I'm, I'm going to start out with a verse that, uh, uh, from, that Jesus talks about in John 16, where he kind of sums up about what he's been talking about, about some of the things about last days and about their time here on this earth. So we're going to begin in John 16:33. If you'd please stand in honor the reading of God's Word. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Thank you. You may be seated. And here's what I want you to see from that. Jesus has been talking to them about what's going to happen and what's to come and what they need to do. And, and what I want us to see is that in some ways this is the purpose of, of prophecy about the end times and about what's to come. He says, "I've told you these things so that you may have peace in him. So that we would know that God has a plan that he knows what's coming that he that he's he's given us kind of an overview about what's going to happen and so that we would trust in him. You know, and and, and we may not know all the particulars, but we know what's going to happen." And then the other thing he says, "Look, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. We're going to have difficulties, we're going to have afflictions, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And so those are the two things that I want you to keep in mind, even as we go through these prophecies about what's to come, is number one, have peace in him, he has a plan, and then number two, even in times of difficulty, trust that he has overcome the world. All right, so what we're going to start with is is the, is the some of the good news, all right? And there are a couple of places in Scripture where um, this is talked about, but I picked one, and that is um, the thing that's really going to set things off is, is, as far as the end time prophecies, is the rapture of the church. And there are a lot of things that are pointing to the fact that that's near, and I'm going to tell you what those are in a minute, but the rapture of the church, that's where Jesus comes, we will meet him in the air, there'll be a trumpet sound, and the dead will rise, and and those uh, w- that's when we will receive Uh, They will receive glorified bodies. They're immortal bodies. They're in some kind of form now. We're we're not 100% sure what that is. We know that the Scripture tells us specifically, they're not still in the grave, they're with Jesus. They're with God in heaven. But when Jesus comes back, they're going to rise first, all right? So it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And all we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And so we will be given a a physical body at that time. And for those who've, who've died in Christ... You know, we're not, there's, there's speculation that we'll have bodies like Jesus had um, after the resurrection when he reappeared, where he could just reappear um, and then go, but that we will in that time be given actual immortal bodies, bodies that will never die, never uh, experience decay, you know, like we do here on this earth. You know, like there's all kinds of inexplicable things that happen as you age here on this earth. Like when you turn 40, you all of a sudden get random eyebrow hairs that grow five times as fast as every other one. Nobody knows why. That will not happen with your mortal body. They're gonna be perfect all the time, all right? So that's a good thing. <laughs> you can thank God for that, you know, at, at any time when you get home, whatever. But we're gonna we're gonna rise, we're gonna be with him. He's coming for the church. When that happens, there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And that's when um, all of our earthly deeds are going to be um, examined, brought before God. You know, the, the thing, we're going to escape judgment of our sins, okay? The great white throne of judgment we're going to talk about later, and that's when those who do not know Christ are going to answer for every sin that they've committed here on this earth. But as believers, we're going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account of the life that we lived in Him. We're not, he's not going to ask us about our sins. He's going to ask us about what we did, and, and that's going to be obvious to everyone. In some places of Scripture says every careless word that is spoken will be brought to account. So the things that we say, things that we post on social media, those things are going to be brought before God, so be careful what you post. But it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15 For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. There's freedom in Christ. You know, we're not all supposed to live... The same life do the same things or even do them the same way he says you may use a variety of materials gold silver jewels wood hay or straw but on the judgment day fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done the fire will show if a person's work has any value if the work survives that builder will receive a reward but if the work is burned up the builder will suffer great loss the builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So there are going to be people that are believers that have done nothing with their faith. They believed, but they've done nothing to serve others. They've done nothing to, to honor God in the way that they live. They've done nothing to try to live and to build a kingdom while they were living here on this earth. And they're going to be saved, but like somebody through, like through fire. all right, Like barely making it in there. And then there are going to be those that are going to be given great rewards for what they've done. And and one of the things that I I think is clear in Scripture is we tend to think, oh, well, those are the people that did big things. No, it's it's going to be, I really believe there are going to be people that none of us have ever heard of that are going to be at the front of the line that sacrificed more of themselves, that gave to others, and nobody ever even knew their name. But they're going to be at the front of the line receiving rewards because maybe they gave everything to the kingdom of God. They lived in such a way that honored and glorified Him. Maybe nobody ever heard of it, but God saw. And that's going to be judged and that's going to be valued. 1 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. And so the, the, the judgment seat of Christ is for believers. The great white throne of judgment, which we'll get to in a little while, is for everyone who whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus. So, at the time when, when the church is raptured, the man of lawlessness is going to be revealed, and that is the person of the Antichrist. And, and here's one of the, um, the interesting things about prophecy. I want you to see there is a person... Who is the Antichrist? That's going to be revealed after the church is raptured during the time of the Great Tribulation. But the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and working today. Okay? And so there's a couple places in Scripture. 1 John 4, 3. For if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. That is the litmus test. When you look at any religion or denomination or church, Find out first, what do they say about Jesus? And what did I, I've told you this, for those of y'all who were here last week or the week before, if they're wrong about Jesus, they're wrong about God. Because the Bible says clearly, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. They are one. There's a Trinity, but they're one. You can't be wrong about Jesus and be right about God. Because if you're wrong about Jesus, you're wrong about God because they're one. All right? So find out what they say about Jesus. And there are a lot of denominations, there are a lot of uh, uh, cults that are disguised as denominations or churches. When you find out what they believe about Jesus, you'll recognize up front, this is not a Christian organization. They call themselves Christian, they say they even believe in the Bible, they say they believe in Jesus, but when you find out who they, what they believe about Jesus, it's not scriptural. What they'll tell you is, well, you know, we believe he's a great prophet or You know, he was one of the sons of God, but we can be one, you know, even greater than him. There's a denomination that believes that or a quote denomination. It's really a cult. And that's the sign of a cult. What do they say about Jesus? So this, this passage says, if they claim to be a prophet and do not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed, is already here. The spirit of the antichrist is here. All right, First John two eighteen, dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the antichrist is coming, and already many such antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. Just in my lifetime, when I was a, when I was a kid and may, and probably a teenager. There were all kinds of churches or denominations that I would be able to go to and I would get basically the same doctrine. Okay? And the majority of churches, I believe, had the same belief in Scripture during that time. And and not all of them, but you could go into a different town and I could maybe pick one of four or five different denominations and out of that, several churches and I could go in there. And there might be something we disagree on you know, maybe it was baptism or maybe it was this. But when it came down to how you were saved and what the Bible is, who Jesus was, is, and, um, and those kind of things, it'd be the same. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. If you picked a thousand churches and walked into them, it might take you a while to get to that many, but if you did that, I would guess fewer than a hundred, maybe way less than that, would actually be preaching the whole counsel of God would have the right doctrine about Jesus and the Word of God. That's how far it's swung just in my lifetime. And that is one of the biggest signs I believe that we have now that the last hour has come. I think we're in the last hour. Now, obviously I'm not talking about 60 minutes, but we're in the, last, we're in the fourth quarter of the last period, maybe even in the two-minute drill. Okay, So the signs of the Antichrist... You even look in in our society, how much do you hear from public officials, from news people, from TV preachers or whatever, how much do you hear that is true? It's a tiny amount anymore, isn't it? And you know what? If you're listening on there and going, oh, that's got to be true because it's on TV, please, Lord have mercy. I need to have a talk with you. Because our our society and our culture and our world is eaten up with lies. Lies, 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 lies. And that's one of the signs, and trust me, I ain't assigning that to an individual party. I am talking about all of them. You understand what I'm saying? All of them. You don't hear the truth. And there's all kinds, now there's, you know, they can call it spin or whatever you want to talk about. But it's hard, you listen, you better listen with a a very discerning ear. Whenever I hear any, I don't care who it is, if I hear somebody say something, I'm like, that's cool, I wonder if that's really true. I wanna know what the source is, I wanna know where it comes from, I wanna see the facts for myself. And truth is becoming very scarce in our world. And that's that's a direct sign that the, the influence of the Antichrist is increasing. The spirit of the Antichrist is increasing during our day and time. And one of the main ways you see that is the way it's affected churches. You know, I ask, you know, Ronnie travels around all the time. He goes to all kinds of churches and I talk to other people that um, go and speak at churches or that are minister to them. And I ask them all the time, what, what percentage of church do you think is actually preaching the gospel, the full counsel of God, and most of them will tell you less than 10%. It didn't used to be that way. That's happened in in my lifetime, okay? And that is a direct correlation to biblical prophecy. As the, the spirit of the Antichrist grows, the closer we're getting to that moment. So, here's the deal. Now, the Antichrist is also an individual, okay? The, is going to be revealed in a in a specific time frame, and I'm going to talk about him. Um, Daniel prophesied about him in Daniel 9:27, the ruler. And so that that's one of the things it tells us is somebody that's going to be a political ruler. I personally believe they're going to have ties to probably an Arab country, an Arab nation, the Muslim faith, and maybe even to the Jewish faith. I, I'm not sure. I one of the things I haven't that I think is possible that it might be somebody that's half Arab, half half Jewish. Now, that's just my thoughts, okay? I'm just throwing that in there so you can kind of get at least a picture. I may be 100% wrong. But it says, The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for his, this defiler is finally poured out on him. Now, here's, it's, it's, this passage in Daniel that was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago is referring some, to some things that we learn in the New Testament, in Paul's writings, and in Revelation, that the ruler is going to come and he's going to make a false peace, false promises of peace with Israel and the Arab states. And so for three and a half years, there's going to be peace. And that's why it says after half this time, it says for a period of one set of seven, after half this time, he's going to renege on the deal and he's going to make war on the Israelites. And one of the things that he's going to do is he's going to desecrate, desecrate the temple of God by setting up some kind of an image or a statue of himself. That's where it talks about a sacrilegious object that causes desecration. And he's going to insist that everybody worships him or worships his image. And that's talked about very specifically in places in Revelation. And that three and a half years, that's, that's part of seven years that is known as the great, the tribulation. All right? So we're in a time of tribulation. Jesus said, in this time, you're going to have many difficulties. He says, in this, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So we're going through times of tribulation. But just like there, you know, we're seeing the spirit of the Antichrist, We're going to be in times of tribulation, but there is the tribulation that's talked about in Revelation, and we'll get to that a little bit more as well. Now, another passage about the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians 2 3 through 10. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. He's talking about the second coming of Christ. The second coming happens after the time of tribulation, after the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's why he's saying don't be fooled by when people are telling you that Jesus, the second coming is going to happen. All right? The the rapture is not the second coming. Believers are going to meet Jesus in the air. He's not coming back to the earth. That's going to happen later. All right? So don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself, And defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Now you see how that goes back to Daniel chapter 9 verse 27. That he's going to set up an object of desecration. He's going to desecrate the temple. Call himself God. All right. Don't you remember that I told you all all about this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. The thing that's holding back the Antichrist right now, the man of lawlessness, is the spirit of God. And see, that's the thing is believers, if you believe in Jesus, if you belong to him, you have the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit's in each of us. And that has an effect. The Bible tells us that when believers live in a city that God oftentimes, blessings come to that city because of those believers. The blessings that America has known has been because of the believers that were in this country. That's why God blessed this country. It was not because we're America. It's because there were believers. And at one time, there was a great preponderance of believers in this country. For, for a great portion of the first part of our history, our history began with a colony of people that wanted to find a place where they could worship God in freedom without being told by the government how to worship. That was the foundation of this country and that's why that inalienable right is written into our Constitution, the freedom of worship, okay, and the freedom of religion. And so God blessed, and God blesses because of the believers. You know, one of the things that can happen, your company, that, you know, the more there are believers in your company, God may bless that company because of believers. And and it talks about that. That's a principle of Scripture. But, but what I want us to see is that... The spirit of lawlessness, there are limits. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, Satan had limits. He has limits now about what he can do. It is only by God's permission. You know, he could not, even Jesus said about Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. So he had to ask God for permission because there are restrictions on what he can do. When all the church is taken out, and we'll see this later on, the man of lawlessness is going to be given reign, free reign, to do whatever he chooses here on this earth without being held back by the constriction of the Holy Spirit and by believers. So as long as we're here, he's held back. When the church is gone, the Spirit of God's going to be removed, and the, the, the Antichrist can be able to do whatever he wants. And what is he going to do? He's going to destroy and kill. That's what he does. Alright? So <clears throat> For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and it will remain secret until the one who's holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But, and this will happen at the second coming, the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So that same spirit is at work now. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? It's to deceive. It's lying and it's deception. And the farther we get away from the truth of God's word as a nation, the more we are open to deception. You see, the only way that truth can really influence a life is if there is a truth that is outside yourself, that is non-negotiable. That, you know what? This is what God says. This is what God tells us how we're to act. This is how, what God says is a sin. If those things are all just in our heart about what we want and what we believe, then we're, that's controlled anarchy. And for after a while, it won't even be controlled. Because everybody can believe whatever they want. And that's kind of the age that we're moving into now is, well, you know, you just speak your truth. And whatever you believe is true, that can be true for you. It may not be true for me, but it's true for you. Real truth is truth outside of anyone's opinion. It's truth that never fades, that never changes, and that is eternal. And that is the truth of God's Word. And the, the more our society has rejected the truth of God's Word, then truth has to come from within any individual and people will say, well, it's in the majority. Well, it's in this. But real truth has to be true no matter what. So, the spirit of the Antichrist comes to deceive. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Now we're going to come to where it's talking about the Antichrist individual in Revelation. Okay? And in Revelation, the Antichrist, is referred to as the beast. And in Revelation 13, 1 through 8, Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. And written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. Now, I'm not going to get into all this. There's lots of different theories about what the ten, ho- ten horns, the ten crowns, and um, look like a leopard, the feet of a bear, and the mouth of a lion about what those are. Um, most believe that it has to do with a union of nations. Perhaps there were 10, might be 10 European nations that that's about that, but we don't know that for 100%. And um, those things are hidden for a reason. We, you know, when we look at that, we're like, okay, not sure what that means, but when we get on the other side of it, we'll know what it means. We'll be able to look back, okay, well, that's what that meant. But right now, we're not meant to. There's a lot of speculation about what all those different symbols mean. um, And someday we'll know 100% what that is. So I'm not going to get into all the different possibilities about what those are today. Um, Now, here's something that's important. All right, the dragon, that's Satan in in the book of Revelation. Most of the time, Satan is referred to as the dragon. The dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. So there is, this is mentioned in prophecy that apparently the Antichrist, or if it's a nation that's involved, I'm not sure, but they're going to receive a fatal wound or he's going to receive a fatal wound and everyone's going to think that they're dead. So whether that's something that you see on TV and everybody's like, well, he's gone. But here's what's going to happen. The fatal wound was healed. Now, this might be one of the deceptions or the false miracles that that was talked about in Thessalonians. We're not really sure. And we're not really sure what power Satan will have on this earth when God's restrictions are removed from him, when that which is holding him back is gone. We're not sure what he's going to be able to do. So maybe he's able to do something that at least makes it appear that someone who receives a fatal wound is healed. All right. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power and they also worshipped the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed. Who is able to fight against him? He will have some kind of centralized power that makes it seem as though it's impossible to defy him then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against god and he was given great authority to do whatever he wanted to do for 42 months now that's the second half of the tribulation that's three and a half years that's when he violates the treaty and at that point he's given authority to do whatever he wants to do and what is he going to do he's going to destroy and kill people as much as possible. And I'm going to show you where Jesus talked about that in a moment. Um, The beast was allowed... Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I went a little too far. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people, that's the Israelites or the Jews, and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe, people and language and nation and all the people who belong to this world worship the beast they are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made so that's apocryphal but there's also things that we can recognize from other prophecies and things that Paul talked about plainly in Thessalonians and all this happens during this time that's called the tribulation and, you know, 1 Peter 5, 8-11, through let me say this again. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So, after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. So, we are in a time of tribulation or of difficulties or of suffering, but we're not in the time of the tribulation. Okay? So, the time that we're in and experiencing as suffering, and it's ongoing and it'll happen up until the time of the rapture of the church, there are going to be difficult times but it's going to be for a short time and God's going to restore us at the other side of it. All right? So we're going through that now. We are in tribulation, but we're not in the tribulation. The tribulation is that seven-year period that happens after the rapture of the church. It's talked about in Jeremiah 37. It's going to particularly be a horrible time for the Jews because God made, um, uh, God tells us that the, Uh, The Antichrist is going to make this peace. He's going to promise them peace. And they're going to buy into it. And then halfway through that period, in three and a half years, he's going to go, go back on his word. He's going to make war on Israel. And they're going to be conquered. Okay? In all history, it says in Jeremiah 37, there's never been such a time of terror. It will be a time of trouble for my people Israel. Yet in the end, they will be saved. There will be some Israelites who will be saved will come to a saving knowledge of Christ during this time of tribulation. Um, it's going to be a rough time, but maybe they go back and re-examine, and they recognize, man, maybe that Jesus really was the Messiah. We're not sure how that happens, but they're going to come out as saved. Some of them are. The Bible mentions a figure of 144,000. We're not 100% sure if that's a, a figurative number, because you know those are in multiples of 12 times 12. There's 12 tribes of Israel. Um, Or if it's an exact number that's going to happen during this time. We're not sure. But many will be saved. Some will be saved. Matthew 24, 21-22, Jesus is talking about this time of tribulation. He says, As much as it can seem difficult for us now, this is what it's going to be like during that time. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact... Unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will be survived, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones, for the Israelites. So what he's saying is it's going to be shortened in three and a half years, but if it wasn't, if it was allowed to go on much longer than that, everybody would be dead. Because that's Satan's goal, steal, kill, and destroy. And so ultimately, he wants to kill everybody. And so that's, that time shortened, so that some of them can survive. Um, Revelation 7, 14, and I said to him, sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. You know, here's the deal about, and and we're not, the Bible doesn't say the only people who are going to be saved during that time are Jews, but here's what you need to understand. People that wait until after the church is raptured, here's what you're going to face. There's going to come a time where you're going to have to choose not to take the mark of the beast and not to worship the beast. If you choose, if somebody says, well, I'm just going to wait, I can still do that. Here's what you're going to face. The the entire world is going to be against you. And if you take the mark of the beast, that's it. You're done. Okay? If you choose not to take the mark of the beast, you're going to be martyred and put to death. So what you're saying is, somebody that says that, well, I'm not going to accept Christ now when it's easy and people are going to support me and I'm free to do it. I'm going to wait until receiving Christ means that I'm going to lose my life. No question. Because that's what it means when it says they have washed their robes. These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. You're going to die if you wait and if you trust Christ during the time of tribulation. And my question would be, if you're not willing to do it now, what makes you think you're going to be willing to do it when your life's on the line? Good luck. God bless. Now, I want to talk about, at the end of this time of tribulation, there's going to come the second coming of Christ. And that's been prophesied about all the way back in the book of Genesis. Enoch, the Bible says that he was, he was there and then he was no more because God took him up to heaven. He's, he's one of the few that never experienced death. Which many people believe that he and Elijah are going to be um, the two witnesses that it talks about in Revelation, who are going to come and testify against the beast during the time of Revelation. They're going to be put to death, but they're going to be raised back to life. And for that to happen, they would have—they can't experience death three times, so they can't come back. So anyway, there's speculation that those are the two; those are the only two in the Old Testament that not. Experienced death that we're taking straight to heaven. Don't know if that's 100% true. I tend to believe it is. Um, but anyway, that's, that's part of that prophecy. But Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, says in Jude 14, 15, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the word, world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. See, when, when Jesus comes back the second time, we're coming with him. With immortal bodies, and we're going we're gonna to defeat this, the forces of Satan, but we're, we're going we're gonna to get that in a second, all right? Now, it was prophesied about during the times in Genesis, during the beginnings of the world. It was also prophesied in Daniel about the second coming. In Daniel 7, 13, and 14. And as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race, nation, and language would obey him. His rule is eternal, it will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 24. And that's, I, I wanna go back to, it's important when you look at prophecy You want to look at all the instances of it, and you you look at scripture with scripture to get a better picture of it. So I'm trying to give you a better picture about what that's going to look like. Um, For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, and that's that's the anguish of the time of tribulation. Um, the sun will be darkened. The moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. Now, when, the, when Jesus comes for the, to rapture the church, there's no sign. As a matter of fact, it's not like we're going to oh man, he's coming in a week. Everybody just come meet up at the church and Jesus going to come get us. The Bible tells us and Jesus tells us tells us in several places. People are going to be going around with their everyday lives. They're going to have no idea that Jesus is coming for the church. There're going to be people there're going to be two people in a home, one taken, one not. People in the field, one taken, one not. The Bible says that people are going to be marrying, working, doing everything as they normally would, thinking nothing's going to happen. So there's no warning about the return of Jesus for the church when we meet him in the air. He doesn't come to the earth that time. But then the second coming, when he's coming back to judge the earth, there are a lot of signs. There are all these things that happen in the, in the heavens. The earth shakes. There's a sign in heaven. We don't know what that's gonna be, but the people on earth are gonna begin to be in mourning because they've seen it and they know what's coming. So he's, not, he's announcing, you know, the first time he comes back kinda um, under the radar and the church is just gone. The second time he says, Hey, I'm coming. He gives a sign. All right. It says, uh, and then alas, the sign that the son of man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and for heaven, from heaven. And that's us. That's, that's what's going to happen. We're going to be gathered and we're going to come with Christ. And then Revelation 19 tells us what that's going to look like. Man, talking fast really dries out my mouth. So, we gotta, still got to get through a thousand years here, so hang with me, we're going to try to get through this. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. This is Jesus, all right? A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dripped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. That's one of the names of Jesus. The armies of heaven. That's The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. See, people say, how do you know there's going to be animals in heaven? Because we're coming back on horses, people. All right? We're going to be riding white horses. Good ones. You understand what I'm saying? From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Man, what a moment that's gonna be. Can you imagine that riding in from the sky on white horses with Jesus to win a final victory? That's good stuff right there. All right. And thus will begin the thousand year reign. There's going to be a thousand years where Satan is, is going to be bound into hell talks about that in Revelation 21 through 3. I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. And then at the last, he says, afterward, he must be released for a little while. When he's released, that's when the great white throne of judgment will occur. Revelation 20, through 15. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence. They found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now that's all those who were without Jesus. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. The death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And that's hell, okay? And the, the fact is, the Bible teaches us clearly, there is a heaven and there is a hell. Anybody tries to tell you there's not a hell, that's not according to the word of God. According to the word of God, there is a hell. And every judgment God gives is righteous. And so not only did God give all these people the opportunity while they were here on earth to believe in him, to trust in him, to trust in Jesus. He even gave them, many of them a second chance during the great tribulation. Seven extra years when the churches were moved and they still chose not to. And if their name is not written in the book of life, here's the deal, if you choose not to trust Jesus, the way that God has given for us to be saved, then you're gonna end up in hell. And then in Revelation 21, the last part, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And so, I'm going to read to you the last verse of that passage, verse 6 and 7. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be my God and they will be my children. And at that point, we will be restored just like from the Garden of Eden where God will dwell among us and walk among us and we will be near him because we will be perfect like Jesus is in bodies that will never fade. And so that is the hope. And that's why Jesus said, hey, there are tough times coming, but have peace because God has a plan. And trust in his plan, even when we don't know all the the details of it. Our job as believers now is to, be, is to be doing the best we can and to be living in such a way that brings, that glorifies and honors the name of Jesus. Because we're not gonna know when Jesus is coming back to take us to heaven with him. We're not gonna know when that happens. After that, we'll know everything as it's happening. But up until then, our job is to be faithful. And here's the deal. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Here's what I want you to understand. There's no guarantee about when this, these things are coming. I, I believe it's going to happen soon. I believe we're in these last hours. Now, what soon means, I, if you ask me for definition, I can't give it. I don't know if it means 100 seconds, 100 minutes, or 100 years. I don't know. But I do believe we're, we're approaching those last times, that time when Jesus is going to come back and receive the church. And here's the deal, you have an opportunity today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you have peace with God, and if you'd like to know that all these things that I'm talking about that are coming, that you'll be a part of that, you'll be in that, you'll be with that because you're part of his family. Here's what you have to do. Number one, admit that you're a sinner and ask forgiveness of your sins. Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number two, you got to believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose on the third day according to scripture. And then the third thing is, it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. So if that's you, if you haven't done that, but you'd like to know that you don't have to worry about those things anymore. You can have peace. Because you know that God's got you and he's got a plan for you. I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. You can repeat it after me, pray it in your own words, you can just pray it in your heart. But I want you to pray it with me right now. So I'm going to ask that everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. And if that's you, you pray this with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Cleanse me and make me yours. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior. And I confess him as my Lord. Without anybody looking around, if you prayed that prayer today, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. Here's all I'm going to ask you to do because I want to pray for you and I want to encourage you. If you prayed that prayer today, I just want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Just look up at me right now. Okay? All right. Okay? I see you. All right. Now here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you, but I also want to offer something to you. In a moment, we're going to have a closing prayer. There'll be somebody here at the front. And if you'd like to speak to someone today, I'd encourage you to talk to somebody about it. And we would love to answer any questions you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. If you can't do that or you don't want to, that's fine. There's a number on your screen that you can text I did it to that number or take your bulletin with you and there's a code in there that you can open with the camera on your phone and just let us know and I want to tell you up front we're not going to ask you for anything and we're not going to ask anything from you we're not going to put you on a mailing list we're not going to bug you we simply want to help answer any questions and help you in the next steps of following Jesus you don't even have to come back to church here we'd love for you to but you don't have to we just want to help And so we would love to hear from you. If you made a decision today or you've made one recently and not spoken to anyone, it's important that you tell somebody that you talk to somebody. So right now I want to pray for you that made that decision and pray for each of us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your mercy and your love for us. I pray for those that have made a decision today to trust you, that, God, you would encourage them. And, Lord, we just thank you for allowing us to be a part of their spiritual journey. Father, pray blessings upon their life. Father, we also pray that, God, you'd help us to live lives that are worthy of you. That, Father, when you do come for us, we will not be ashamed. That we will be, we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, help us to be faithful wherever we are. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.